In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday Athens podcast. I'm your host, Seth Saunders, and we are gearing up for week two of the college football season and fired up to have our buddy Chris Marler back with us. Chris came on last year. We saw him at Media Days. He's always one of the best follows on Twitter, even though apparently, buddy, there are some folks on Twitter who do not know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. We are glad to have you. That was... My, one of my favorite things that's ever happened on Twitter. And just God bless those young men that are, I, they clearly don't like me, and that's fine. I barely liked myself up until like four months ago, so I totally get it. Just join the club. But I mean, it was, yeah, it was it was, it was confusing. It's like, I listen, I, I feel like I have to say this and preface this with every single time on like a Georgia podcast, but like, there are a few people, especially outside of your fan base, that have like been banging the drum louder than me for Kirby in this program and how great they've done. I still like to give the fans shit because that's what we do. But like, yeah, man, it's, it's the best yeah. program in the country and he's doing everything at an at elite level better than everyone else in the country. And it's not really that close. So I just, it always cracks me up because I'm like, man, I spent the entire offseason saying all these positive things, all this time I spent on deep dives and then people are like, you didn't like our first quarter offense? Like, F you. And I'm like, okay. It's <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I was cracking up, but I will say, as you usually do, you have turned it into a positive. So tell our listeners what you what you're doing with that. Got some T-shirts made, and where are the proceeds going to go for that? Yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing it up. So, um, the, and for those not familiar, the whole thing there was like a a, a web, a, I guess, a Georgia podcast that threw out something about how they said Chris Marler has been tweeted about us twenty times, and and he'll still call us insecure. Side note, if you think that like that's a shot at me, like I'm that insecure, anybody that's followed me on Twitter for the past two years or known me in real life for my whole life, like, yeah, insecure, duh. That's one of the main things. Um, but no, like it was funny because he didn't they didn't actually at me or like say like they just said my like my government name, like I was, you know, the first day of school in, in, in elementary school or something. And so he said this whole thing and there's a couple he got like two hundred and forty likes, man. There was like a lot of people that agreed with it. And this one person wrote back, I think like I I, in my mind it was in all caps, but I don't know. But it was just some like random person on Twitter and he just wrote back very bluntly, like, Who the F is Chris Marler? And I just was <laughs> laughing at the whole thing. So I tweeted out, I said, I'm absolutely making merch that says I'm a- absolutely making who the F is Chris Marler merch. And it went over pretty well. And as I try to do, like all jokes aside, with most things in, in my life, turn like a negative into a positive or just something that might not be positive into a positive. Um, so I decided since the the what do you call it? The response was so great about the merch idea, and there were so many positive responses to it, um, to sell some t-shirts and some stickers and buttons that we'll have. I haven't made them yet. They're going to be um, hopefully made with some mock-ups and stuff like that next week after I get back from Tuscaloosa. Um, but the all the proceeds, we're just we're going to sell uh, those three things, and all the proceeds will go to an organization called My Sister's House in, in South Carolina, which is for um, women and children who have uh, come from domestic violence homes um, to help them get back on their feet. Yeah, I love that, brother. I think that's so cool. And I also think, cool, it's just an example of using the platform, right? Like yeah. to, to have a platform and then use it for something positive. And so, man, I love that. So, yeah, I mean, we will uh, we'll stock up on that. I'll rock. A, I'll rock a button all season long if you need me to, brother. <laughs> we know who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. No, but it's good to be back, man. It's always good to talk to you. And I'm excited for the this, this slate of games this week. It's kind of low key, like it's it's like sneaky good this week. Yeah, so I, I want to talk with you briefly about last week because I thought, with it being, I would say, uh, less than sexy slate of games for week yeah. one, some pretty interesting things happened. Obviously the. TCU-Colorado um, game has sucked all of the oxygen out right. of the collective college football world, it seems. And it was an awesome, awesome game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a game on our sheet this week that I think is compelling. Um, and then you got, obviously, the LSU-Florida State game, Clemson-Duke, a lot of things going on. What was your biggest takeaway from week one and or biggest surprise from week one? 
Well, Alabama's clearly going to win the national championship after that game against Middleton's. I'm kidding. Um, that is not my biggest thing. Um, Bobo sucks. You should fire him, and Bama's winning it all. No, I, I think – so love the Colorado thing. That's, that's I right. It was really cool. It's a really cool situation. It, it's – because, like, listen, I don't think that anybody that was, like, a skeptic – like, watching Dion like, go after all these critics, like – Bro, they were 1-11 last year. They gave up an average of 53 points per game, excuse me, in their last six games of the year yes. last year in the Pac-12, which is like, I get there's offenses there, but it wasn't like the Pac-12 was like a murderer's road necessarily a year ago. Um, Colorado was one of the, they were probably the worst Power 5 team in the country. And and I think that going into this year, you know, bring, we've never seen this before. 86 players on this team that weren't on the team a year ago. Mm-hmm. We've never seen that in... I'm not saying this to make a joke or make light of the situation, but Marshall had an entire team pass away in a tragic plane crash in like the late 70s. That didn't like that's different than this. Like it's 86 is a it is an absurd amount. Remember, you have 85 scholarships on a player, so even with that tragedy, it's like the only closest thing we've seen before. We've never seen at this level, um, obviously for different reasons. Probably not the best example to bring up, but like Colorado going into this week against TCU, I thought I thought TCU won. They're they're the worst tackling team maybe in cultural history. They were so bad. Mm-hmm. But it was really cool to see Shadir Sanders yeah. be legit. It was really cool to see Travis Hunter, for those of us that haven't seen him. Because, like, that's the number one overall player in the country, and he's almost being, like, kept, you know, in this, like, minor it's, – it's like it's like if, if Ronald Acuna was, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna step away and I'm just going to go play in, like, like you know, like Japan for a season or something like that, right? Like, it's like – I'm not gonna be able to watch these games. Like, it, like, in all of a sudden, he's comes on this level and he's fantastic. I mean, he, he was he was incredible to watch. Um, the stuff with Clemson and Dabo, man, them and LSU, it, it is just like the biggest. Oh no, the consequences of my own actions come to life. I've seen in quite some time because I heard all offseason that LSU was a championship caliber team, and you know this as a fan of the defending back to back national champions. There's a lot of characteristics that make up a championship team. You don't make mental mistakes. You don't make stuff that like you don't make mistakes in key situations. Like it, it's not just about like converting third and one or fourth and one, but it's about having the focus to not have drops, being able to like you know like take advantage of timely turnovers or or penalties or not having penalties. LSU at every turn looks nothing like a championship team, and they might they they are still going to be a good football uh-huh. team, and I think they will they will have a, a, a fine season. But that is not a championship caliber team by any means. And then the last one, at least, man, Clemson. My God, like I, you got to give Duke its credit because that was awesome. I, I don't think like I just like there's just nobody that was pulling for Clemson in that game outside of Clemson. It, it just it, like yeah, everything about it was so peak college football, and I loved every second of it. Dabo complaining about the walk from the locker room to the stadium, and then some asshole putting in an obstacle course of bouncy houses in the way. They put the bounce bounces up. It was I was dying. Like yeah. then Riley Leonard winning the game. They storm the field. Riley Leonard comes in, in and has the 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 mind uh, or the wherewithal to sit there and be like, oh by the way, whoever's professor is, can I get an extension on my homework? Then the professor is like, no, you can't. Unbelievable. Like the most Duke thing ever. You you talk about like the the slate of games and Clemson, Clemson coming in, Clemson coming in and like going to Duke. And and like really getting dismantled and and you you made we talked about nonstop like what we thought the problems with with Clemson were which was like you got to get a better OC and he and he does finally go out of like the Clemson tree and the Clemson family and goes and gets Garrett Riley which is like especially since the guy at Washington went back to Washington probably the biggest free agent pickup in the coordinator position in the off season like in the entire country uh-huh. lays an egg and really they only scored because they got a, a muffed punt from Duke and in, like inside like the the twenty yard line. There's a lot of questions at Clemson that I think, like, you know, we just pinned them on DJU, and it, it might just be the fact that Clemson is just, like, not very good. And, yeah. And they're not built like a championship team anymore um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fascinating week one, man. Like, I think the Colorado story is so cool, and we got another team on the slate this week that we're going to talk about that did something not to that level, but very close with G.J. Kenny right. and Texas State. I mean, 56 new guys there. I mean, this is kind of the new world we live in. Um, and, man, the Colorado thing was compelling yeah. to us, too. We talked about it last week. Like, brother, we're not talking like they just had 86 pairs of shoes. Like, we're talking Shadur, and we're talking Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter was number one player in the country 
boys and girls. Like, it's not like they just got yeah. some some dude. And then you got Dylan Edwards, who was, dude, what freshman of the week this week or Dope Walker player of the week this week. And then you got, um, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, Kvasia Smoke didn't he, didn't he make the box score this week? And he's on that roster. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just a, uh, it's it's they are an interesting team. I, I want to talk about elephant in the room with LSU, which is. Maybe the best half of football they played all year last year was the second half of the SEC championship game with Garrett Nussmeyer, quarterback, who I feel like never even got in the conversation for the job. And I don't know, man. Like, maybe there's something to that. Also, what in the hell were they doing with Harold Perkins on there all night? You got maybe the most dynamic defensive player in the country, and we're just going to drop him in coverage all night and play man? I just – I don't know, man. That was It was a puzzling coaching performance. So, and the thing with LSU that, that I think that bothered me the most with it, right, is, again, I was very I was very hesitant to say anything about, like, them being a contending team because I haven't seen LSU stack years, like elite years, back-to-back yeah. in quite some time. Um, yeah. A lot of times it feels like there's, like, a massive fall-off even, right? So LSU comes in, and I understand they have a new coach, but but I, I said this in the offseason, and you can call me a homer or whatever, but that entire resume – was built off of, and that offseason hype was built off of one win by one point in in early November last year. And you guys might not remember that because you were coming off an absolute dismantling of Tennessee that same day. But yeah. like that win against Bama in in in, in 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 Death Valley, like you just take a step back. Like like I've I've watched you know Bama football for most of my life. That's the sixth win they've had against Bama in Death Valley since 1957. Right, like it, it's like it's a massive deal, and you should celebrate and storm the field and all that kind of stuff. It's what makes Huffsball great. But then people people really forgot about like you go to Arkansas the week after with everything on the in front of you, and yeah. and they're playing a back quarterback, and you only win by three. Then you go to A and M, who is horrible, and you get beat by double digits. Almost ran out of the building because it was like a, a twenty point difference, and you know a 20, 20 point game in the fourth quarter. The all of a sudden in the second half, the game was thirty five to seven in favor of Georgia. And so now you take a step back and you're like, man, you got beat by 15 against a 5-7 and seven A&M team. You got destroyed by Georgia. And then you just got embarrassed against Florida State. So you're 1-4 in your last – 1-3 in your last four games. And now you have to start thinking, like, what are these coaching decisions? And, yeah. and the last thing I'll say about the week one thing, and I think that you'll love this because I know you're a fan of, of college football like all of us. But, like, one thing that's cool about all this stuff, the transfer portal, NIL, it's a completely new world. And I think that the TV revenue is trying to – and stations are kind of ruining some of the stuff for the fan. But one mm-hmm. thing with this season in particular, it's this new age where there's so much uncertainty and, and unstable ground and like where we don't know the things that we've always like seemingly known. Like these teams are going to be legit because, or the recruiting classes are going to be like this. Not only are all these recruiting classes coming off of year three of the COVID year where you, you didn't have as many, like the ability to scout high school players. So it's like a kind of a crapshoot with where you put in the rankings anyway. But on top of that, now the high school recruiting rankings aren't even that important. So it's like there's just so much uncertainty. And it felt like maybe I'm just overreacting to week one. But it feels like one of those things where it's going to be like a 2007 or like a, mm-hmm. a, even like a 2014 type of year when it's like you look up at the first playoff and you've got Mississippi State, A&M, Auburn, and Ole Miss in like the top six. And it's like it's just something crazy, right? Yeah, I think that was – it's funny you say that. That was one of my first thoughts as the season kind of unfolded and everything because – it just feels like we are in store for so much chaos. And yeah. I think in some ways, some of it might start this week. I think there are some results on this week's slate that may trip some people up. So let's start with it, okay? We're going to go Friday night. Illinois going to KU. I know weird game to start with, but I got three siblings that went to KU. Yeah. Love what they did last year. They got the preseason Big 12 player of the year in Jalen Daniels coming back, uh, although he couldn't play week one because he had an injury that was lingering. Jason Bean, very capable backup. They're wearing the uh, Blackhawk uniforms on Friday night at the booth. And then you got Illinois with Brett Bielema. Let me, let me drop this on you because it, mm-hmm. it kind of put my brain in a pretzel. They've been playing football in Illinois for 130 years. Okay, They went 8-5 and five last uh-huh. year. That's one of the top 15 winningest seasons in all of Illinois football history. <laughs> that's, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. And then struggled mightily against Toledo and uh, KU two and a half point favorite at home with the booth. So who you like in that one? 
All right, so and so this is funny because we just got done recording our podcast and and we talked about this game and then my exact words to my co-host Tyler were, um, "There's no chance I'm betting on this game, but since we have to pick it, like, I I think that defense travels a lot. I think that like what what Illinois has on the defensive line is really really good. They got a former SC quarterback at at, uh, at QB there with Luke Altmaier. Uh-huh. It's hard for me not to go to Kansas though, right? Like you're at home. It's a sleepy kind of like Friday night game. Um, and part of me just wants to say, like, just screw it and go indoors to whatever that 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 uh, what do you call it arena is like down the street. I'm sure, and just go play basketball with these teams, and that would be even more fun than watching them try to, try to play a football <laughs> game for 15 minutes. But I mean, I would take Kansas um, and probably to cover the three. It's a suspicious line though because it seems too obvious. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny line, I think, especially given Illinois' performance in week one. I mean, homie, they're five seconds away from losing their opener to Toledo. They have to kick a last-second field yeah. goal with five seconds left to, to pull one out against uh, against Toledo in week one, which, you know, it is what it is. Everybody, I don't I always never try to overreact to week one, but, you know, it's alarming if you're Illinois. Yeah. Um, look, I like it. Jalen Daniel is supposed to be healthy. I'm taking the Jayhawks. I'm biased, but but they're going to have yeah. so much hype with the uniforms. Night game at the booth on a Friday night. I mean that that stadium is going to be filled and it's going to be popping. They announced uh, big funding going into a renovation of the booth. It looks sick. Yeah. It's going to look like waving wheat. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be really really cool. So agreed with you though. Yeah, a yeah. much more traditional basketball matchup. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm also going to take Kansas. My co-host James is uh, going to take Kansas as well. So I think we're all on Rock Chalk Jayhawk here on Friday night. Okay. All right, Saturday games, we're going to kick off with Notre Dame going to Raleigh and Carter Finley to play NC State. NC State brought in uh, Brennan Armstrong from UVA to play quarterback. They looked, I thought, just okay against UConn week mm-hmm. one. Notre Dame started off 2-0, and obviously their big win in Ireland to start the year. And then they've got the sexy lumberjack, Sam Hartman, leading the, leading the charge there. My man with the with the long hair and the big beard. Doesn't he remind you of the Robert Redford gif where he looks up and smiles? Like that's all I think of every time I see that, our boy Sam now running the offense. To me, that that's Robert Redford. That I just thought that was Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> me like, too. In the country, it's Robert Redford. Like that is like that is my, the <laughs> yeah, natural. Robert Redford. And, and then the Alan natural the hangover. It's Roy that. Hobbs. Yeah. Right. Um, no, this game I think is interesting. I, 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 he does look like that, and I think that Sam Hartman is he's, – he's been, like, great from a number standpoint so far, right? If you really watch that Navy game, uh-huh. I, I, was, I was big on Notre Dame in that game in, in every single area, like first half points, um, cover the full game spread, Sam Hartman over two and a half uh, passing touchdowns, and I hit every single one. I think it was like 4-0 in that game. But Sam Hartman, he missed a lot of throws. Like, he, he was late on a lot of throws in that game. Um, and it's, you know, you're going against Navy, so it's, it's a little bit, uh, you can get away with a little bit there. NC State has, and, and, and I believe it's Dave Doran, um, this team has played against Sam Hartman mm-hmm. three times in his career. Um, his numbers in those games said six touchdowns and six interceptions. It's been pretty middle of the road, pretty average. Um, I, I'm going to take NC State at home. I know that, like, you know, they played a game against UConn last week that people kind of just want to shrug off, whatever, but UConn was a bowl team last year. Um, at one point, that was the one of a like a feather in the cap for Michigan on their strength of schedule because of how bad their strength of schedule was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got NC State, especially because it's seven and a half. You get the hook. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. So James is taking the Irish in this one. Man, I'm super conflicted on this. You know, true road game playing in Ireland, mm-hmm. even though I know it was across the Atlantic Ocean, is essentially a home game. What did they say? Something like 36,000 Notre Dame fans made the pilgrimage to Ireland for the ball game. Like So essentially a home game there against Navy. Then you play a a layup game against who they played last week. Tennessee State, I think, is who they played. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we don't really know who they're going to be. Seven and a half as a road favorite, just, I don't know, man. It seems like a lot to me. I think it's going to be a fun right. matchup, but for me, it's more like a field goal game, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take the home dog, too. I like the Wolfpack to cover. I like Notre Dame to win straight up, but um, mm-hmm. I like NC State in the points in this one. Um, all right, next game. I mean, this is just going to be, I think, weekly now, the most electric matchup of the week. You got Nebraska going to Colorado in an old-school, traditional Big 8 matchup. Uh, kind of yeah. rekindling the rivalry. Some great games from the from the nineties. 
Nebraska coming off a tough loss with new coach Matt Rule against Minnesota and the boys P.J. Fleck and Row the Boat up there. Uh, Colorado, obviously, most electric win of all week one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Just dominated all the weekly awards after week one. Here's my thing, right? Colorado's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Does Nebraska even come close to having the – oh, it's down to two? Yeah. Something stinks out loud about that because what offense does Nebraska have? That's what I want to know. Yeah. So, yeah, how you feeling about this? I, everything you're saying is right, and something stinks about it. it, it the Vegas just begging you yeah. to do it. But anybody that knows me knows that I don't make good financial decisions, so I will absolutely follow it, and I will hammer <laughs> Colorado. Because cause here's the thing, too. We've yes. watched Nebraska struggle for so long, and like, mm-hmm. and if you, maybe you feel comfortable and just take the money line and, and, and like do that instead. I don't know. But like, they got so much juice right now, and they put up – it wasn't like they won 17-13 to 13 last week. They put up a yeah. ton of points. And, like, you're going to improve going to week two. And now you've got, like, comments as a program. Like, because even if the players – I know that you, you go through the entire offseason. talk about, like, you know, especially in that first game. We have this game, and you look forward to it, and, and that's what you think about in the workouts and the off – you know, off – like, offseason, like, seven-on-seven seven stuff you're doing in the, in the summer, all, all that kind of stuff. But, like, there has to be some level of, like, hesitation and uneasiness. Like, is this going to work? Because he's talking a big game, but, like, are we going to go play the team that was – runner-up in the national championship a year ago and beat them and they do mm-hmm. and so now yep. I hope you're buying in and if you're nebraska you got a, another new coach and you're still doing the same stuff seemingly after the first one where you have you know jeff sims has three interceptions and, and they're all costly um against minnesota and and now you come into a situation where it's like if, if that game's the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game there's there's no part of me that thinks nebraska has like the mental fortitude or confidence to go win that game, especially on the road. I hammer Colorado. Can't wait to be wrong. Yeah. James is taking Colorado. I'm going to take the buffs too. Here's the thing, man. Look, they go on the road in a true road environment week one and hang almost half a hundred on Sonny Dykes' boys. And then now we're coming home to Folsom field to a sold out Folsom field where everybody is jacked up about coach prime and the buffs. That place is going to be an, just absolute lightning from start to finish. Uh, when they run Ralphie out of there, yep. that place is going to explode. And here's the other thing, brother. I know all the hype was about 86 players coming in. Ain't nobody talked about him bringing yeah. in Sean Lewis to be the offensive coordinator from Kent State. Like, that dude can coach, man. Dude, at all. Yes, and he called a hell of a ball game yeah. on Saturday. That TCU defense was on skates, which is the second straight game going back to the national title mm-hmm. game last year where they couldn't cover nobody. So, man, I love, love, love the buffs in this game. I think they come out and just keep the momentum rolling. Yeah. And look, man, I mean, look, you telling me you're going to take Jeff Sims as an underdog in Folsom Field against Coach Prime? Come on now. Get out of here. I want to. Bananas, man. No you chance. Know, you know I, I pull for Georgia Tech. Even from, <laughs> no <laughs> chance. And here's the other thing, too. From the betting standpoint that I'll play, you, should, you should be confident in, is the two-point thing stinks, like you said. But they were a 20-and-a-half-point underdog a week ago yeah. at TCU, and they went outright, yeah. right? So there's there's a chance that Vegas just hasn't been able to figure this out yet. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it for sure. All right. The next one, man. We're getting a matchup of charter SEC members. We got Ole Miss playing Tulane at Tulane. I mean, Ole Miss going on the road to play the Green Wave. Uh, look, man. Jackson Dart, yeah. they what they've hung seventy three last week. I mean, I know it was Mercer, but still seventy three points with the new clock rolls. That ain't nothing to sneeze at. Uh, here's the problem for me with Tulane: they lost seven guys on defense, and they gave up two hundred rushing yards a game last year. And now they don't have those seven dudes, and mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin just licking his chops, baby. I mean, uh, for me, this just seems yeah. like Ole Miss all day. But what you think? Ole Miss six and a half point road favorite is the last line I had. So here's a stat that should scare you if you are betting against Ole Miss. I love Ole Miss to cover, for one. Um, I'll just get that out of the way now. I remember doing this last year saying going into the season. I had Jackson Dart preseason ranked in the top four uh, as the fourth best quarterback in the SEC going into the year. Fun fact about ever making a list about top quarterback rankings in the conference, if you ever get the option to do it, especially for work, just don't because it's awful and everyone (laughs) disagrees with you and it's the worst. Um, but the reason why I had Jackson Dart ups there so high, even though he was unproven, hadn't been in the, in the league yet, is because in the 10 years prior to that season, going into last year, Kiffin's offenses, whether he was an OC or a head coach, 
He had it eight of the ten years. His quarterback had at least 3,000 yards passing and or 30 touchdown passes. The two years he didn't, he had a running back at FAU that had 29 touchdowns and I think like over almost like 2,000 yards. So he finds like his whole thing is like you figure out who you, who your guys are and you just get them the football. It's very simple. It's like you know like it's like remember what Kirby said last year in one of those pregame speeches that will make you run through a wall where he was like he's like you see see what you see and and, and like or see and ball. I've just absolutely butchered this this entire quote, <laughs> but he said something about how like you see what's in front of you and you hit it and then he he screamed and I remember getting like chills when he said he goes shit's easy and I was like. Because that's how his mind works. Yeah. It's the same with Kiffin. It's like, you just go put the ball in your playmaker's hands, and the shit's easy. So Kiffin, like, he, he's he got Quinshot Junkets, which we all know what he can do. Mm-hmm. But now if you got Jackson Dart, and you got yep. some receivers and tight ends that actually want to play this year and aren't, aren't like kind of like locker room issues or off the field type stuff, like, that's a guy, like, Jackson Dart can go put up some numbers. You saw what he did in week one. I love Ole Miss to go out here and prove a point. I love Ole Miss to go out here and prove a point on Saturday. So James is taking the green wave. He was on him a lot last year, and I think he's still rolling with them. I'm with you, brother. Man, I love the Rebels in this. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I mean, I think it's going to be a day for the land sharks all day there in uh, the Crescent City. So, yeah, I- I'm, I'm hammering Ole Miss as well. I think this is an awesome matchup for them. Um, and, hey, Charter SEC members, it just means more, folks. So let's just let's just everybody tune in for that one. Right. All right. Yeah. A lot of chatter about this one today. Everybody throwing ricochet shots left and right. Texas A&M going to Miami. Miami posting this week that if you buy tickets to this game, they'll give you a free ticket to the Georgia Tech game, Uh, which I think within an hour UCF had posted. Tickets sold out against Villanova. Uh, And then said something like, you know, 12th straight sellout or something like that. So everybody throwing ricochet shots at the Hurricanes, which is really, let's think of this, culturally a travesty. I mean, they used to play in the Orange Bowl, brother, like the real Orange Bowl. And like it was ruckus every weekend. And now we got to give away tickets to go see see the Hurricanes. It's it's a sad world. But um, look, man, Texas A&M put up, what, 58 points last week? They hadn't put up over 28 against an FBS team but one time all last season. So – I don't know. Maybe, stat. Yeah, maybe maybe we can score some points this year down in Aggieland. I don't know. Uh, maybe Jimbo got the coaching bug back. Miami coming back with Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know, man. Miami's one of those programs where I think they, they're kind of they're gliding on their history. I can't remember the last time I tuned into a Miami game thinking, yeah, these dudes yeah. are good. So um, Texas A&M three-and-a-half point yeah. road favorite. How you feel about this one? This is legit my lock of the week, and I, I, I listen. I, I took my first losing record last week, and and I'm I'm just strictly going money line from something because I'm trying to get back on track. But like, because there's so many road favorites by a touchdown or less, and I I love almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I, dude. So I love the stat you just brought up. They only scored over 28 one time against an FBS opponent because because people immediately wanted to like kind of. Um, Wanted to have like kind of like crap on Jimbo because it's it's fun, right? They, they, you know, you you go into this offseason of the year, go with all this hype, and you go five and seven. I don't remember the last time Bobby Petrino had a quarterback that wasn't good or put up ridiculous numbers. I just don't remember that being a thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. Jimbo, whether this thing works out or not, I don't know. Whether it works out Saturday when you have like the twelfth man coming in to face like the other twelfth man, and what I mean by that is like the twelfth man and like at A and M versus like the literal twelfth man to walk into the stadium dressed <laughs> in green and orange, like because that's about how many total fans they're gonna have there. Yeah, like that. I like we we've seen. I know it was New Mexico. I I get all that, 
But, like, we saw this team open last year and score only 17 against Sam Houston State. We saw them play bad teams and still struggle. And that wasn't the case on Saturday. And Connor nope. Wegman is legit. He's a former five-star, and he's got some weapons at, at receiver. He, he's got arguably the best. I think George has a chance to supplant this, you know, later in the year once we get everyone going and everyone healthy. But, like, you know, those receivers being healthy always matters in games. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, with a and I think they might, they might have the best one-two punch at receiver maybe in the in, entire conference. I love A&M to win big here. And Jimbo's pretty good. It, in, in in bigger games. Like, people like to crap on stuff like that. Like And most of that, if you're being honest, comes from that 2019 year where they were preseason top 10 and they lost five games. Well, they played five teams that were ranked in the top 10 that year. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's a tough slate for anyone. Yeah, James is taking the Aggies. I'm taking them too. I mean, this is – I'm the same, man. This just seems like a slam dunk. There's There's nothing about that Miami team that scares me, nothing about that environment that scares me. I think a and going to sling it, and I think they're going to do what they want most of the afternoon. So, yeah, we're all on the Aggies. All right, first uh, first rivalry trophy game of the yeah. year. You know I never missed these. I had like six of them when you came on last year. Oh, God. We got the Cyhawk trophy, Iowa and their explosive offense going to play Iowa State. Iowa, again, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Do you like the Ferentz boys to score some points in Ames this weekend and cover? Two funniest things I've seen on social media at the start of the season, possibly. This week, one, Trump is going to this game. I Whether saw you that. you like him or not, it's whatever. Like, yeah, I it, saw that. So he's going to the game and somebody made a comment that was like, this is such a worse alternative to prison. That it's because like, it's like <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State sucks, dude. It's like it, the, the the over under is thirty six and a half. It's awful. It's it's hammer awful. the under. Um, the under. The other thing is they, yeah, like for sure. The other thing is Iowa, Iowa on the first drive of their their first game of the season last week, they threw a touchdown pass, and I'm saying this in the most basic way possible because like it, that sounds like to any fan of a normal team. That sounds pretty ho-hum. They weren't playing anybody strong, but they started out the year on a drive, on the first drive of the game, and they threw a touchdown pass to end the first drive of the season. Fun fact, the last time they did that in a season was 1991. That I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around that. That is anyway. like, they've, they've set offense back a hundred years. A thousand percent. I... I will say I've seen this like floating between three and a half to four and a half, and the thirty six is it tells me something. Iowa State has really struggled in the past couple of years. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking the Iowa money line, but I'm I think that Iowa State probably keeps it close. Maybe I, I don't I don't know. There's like zero part of me that ever wants to go to Iowa, just ever. Yeah. So James is taking Iowa. I, I just, on principle, I can't take them, man. There's the, the offense is so anemic. Yeah. I mean, it's just, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. They're so awful to watch. I'm really just taking Iowa State on principle that I can't pick Iowa in a game that involves covering any type of points. Like, yeah, they may win, but yeah. it's going to be a squeaker if they do. So I, I'm taking the Cyclones uh, to cover, but I, I assume the, the Hawkeyes will take home the Cyhawk Trophy. All right, this next game is very interesting. I'm going to tell you why, okay? Texas State not only bringing in 56 players, but they do that because they got new head coach G.J. Kenny. Look, y'all, if y'all don't remember, G.J. Kenny, that boy could play. He could sling it, especially in high school. Coached the Incarnate Word last year. Took Incarnate Word to the FCS semis last year, 12-2. and two. They lit up the scoreboard yeah. all season long. Here's the best part about this stuff. UTSA and the Roadrunners, hashtag meet me, coached by Jeff Trailer, who was at one time G.J. Kenny's high school football coach, when they went 10-0, G.J. Kenny put up 47 touchdowns to one interception in that 2006 Texas high school season. So a lot of fun history between these coaches. Texas State had one of the big upsets of the week last week, walked the dog on Baylor. T.J. Finley flinging it all over the field. Mm -hmm. They looked super electric. Uh, And they're, dude, UTSA kind of laid an egg. Frank Harris had a really tough game against Dana Holgerson in Houston. But the Roadrunners, yeah. 11 and a half point home favorites over Texas State, which, sidebar, Texas State is not the Bobcats. If you are familiar with Great American Cinema Necessary Roughness, Texas State is the Armadillos, so we will refer to them as such. 
Yeah, fair. Also, the story you've just given about his high school career, if you would have told me at the tail end of that, that like Tim Riggins got caught getting drunk <laughs> in like fifth period and stealing catalytic converters, it would have been the best episode of Friday Night Lights ever. Like I, I, it, that's, I thought that's where we were going. <laughs> we can we can end it however you want, brother. We got creative license. <laughs> no, I'll get Peter Berg on the phone. Half seems like a lot. Yeah, it's exactly exactly. I, the eleven and a half is a bunch, and I'm a big believer in UTSA. I, I think they bounce back. But what does concern me is actually no, they, they don't play Tennessee until two weeks from now. So I'll take UTS UTSA. I don't love it. But I do expect them to bounce back. And they also kind of got screwed in that, that end of that game, too, against, against They UCLA. did. That's a power five yeah. team going up against UTSA. And, and like, I, I was surprised they only put up 14 points. But I haven't seen TJ Finley put up back-to-back anything in, in, in besides incompletions in the last three years. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, so J- so James is taking the Roadrunners. They were they were a darling of ours last year. I don't know if there was a week on the slate that we didn't take meat meat. We were all in on that. Yeah, just because of the the points, I'm gonna take Texas State. Like I said, I loved watching them last week. Thought they looked super exciting. And dude, the 56 mm-hmm. transfers they brought in, we're not talking like you know they brought the whole roster of incarnate word man. They got some big time players they brought in. Kids from Arizona, kids that were committed to Texas or had played at Texas. I mean, they got some talent in that roster. And like, look, yeah. T.J. Finley got to be the best quarterback Texas State had in like two decades. So. I think the eleven and a half is what makes it is what makes it interesting. I don't know that Texas State wins straight up, but I like them to cover that number. So I will take the Bobcats slash Armadillos, and maybe they'll retire Paul Blake's number at halftime just to make my heart feel good. Um, all right, next game on the slate, we got App State making a return trip to Chapel Hill. One of the craziest games of the Ooh. season last year, uh, which is why it's on the slate. Yeah, UNC huge win last week in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Um, they looked, I think, a little more back to normal. I, I thought they would look a little more mm-hmm. sluggish given that they lost Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator. But, man, they were they were rolling. And yeah. Drake May looked like we all thought he would last year, I think. They are 17.5-point home favorites over App State. Who you like in that one? 17.5 sucks. I wonder what the first half spread is on this. I, I'm taking <laughs> UNC, and the reason why is the defense is different. It's different yep. than it used to be, and I think that – you're in a revenge game, too, right? Like yep. that game was was pretty close last year, right? And you, I think they gave like 62 points or something crazy. Like it was it was absurd. Um, one of the most impressive things I saw from a turnaround standpoint in Week One, because um, I was I was very big, not very big, but I was big on South Carolina winning that game. I thought they were going to win by a decent amount because I I thought the roster was better, mm-hmm. um, which I found out, <laughs> which I, after I said it was untrue, which is never a good thing to do in this industry. Um, but like, you know, UNC's got the 17th best roster, uh, uh, ranking in like for talent or whatever, um, in the two, four, seven composite in the country may is legit. Like that is a legit yeah. top five quarterback and, and yeah. he lost his top two receivers. Right. And then didn't have his top, his, his top transfer guy coming in from the portal. He was incredible all night. And then the big thing though, is from a turnaround standpoint was our boy, Gene Chiswick, man, one of the nicest people I ever met, one of the, the hardest worker I've ever been around in my entire life. And you can see, like, he, he just, everything he does, he does with purpose. And every and I, and I mm-hmm. love Chizik to death. Man. I never thought I would say, after what he did to Alabama, and, and to me personally in 2010, in that comeback <laughs> game. But I will say that his defense, having 17 total sacks in year one, in, in 14 games, they had nine in over nine. half of what they had a year ago. They had nine in week one. I yep. like UNC to win. I think they win big. And I, I, they, they're a better team than I thought, man. Yeah, James is taking the Tar Heels too. I'm the same boat, man. I was not a believer in that. I thought South Carolina would win that football game straight up. Did not happen. I think the other impressive thing about the nine sacks is, and look, we can have conversations about South Carolina's O-line, but Spencer Rattler's not exactly a uh, stuck-in-the-pocket type quarterback. We're talking about a guy who can move, who can throw on the run, who can make plays happen. They bottled him up all night long. You could tell he was frustrated. Dude, nine sacks is crazy, man. That's a season for some teams. Like, no. I mean, yeah, they are, uh, they're yeah. different. And uh, to your point, they make a big decision tomorrow. I think Thursday is the meeting point for um, transfer receiver news to see what's going to happen on that, which maybe they get a big weapon back. Oh, yeah. It'll be so, so stupid if that's not approved, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you boys. I like the Tar Heels. 
which is what the NCAA does every single turn. Yeah, I like the Tar Heels at home. All right, big one of the week. You're going. You will be in Tuscaloosa, Texas, coming to Bryant-Denny to play Alabama. Monster, monster game. 7 o'clock kick. The lights are going to be going at Bryant-Denny. Crowd's going to be crazy. Um, this is this is interesting to me for a lot of reasons, right? Obviously, everybody talks about the game last year. I just, all offseason, I've been kind of quiet. We haven't said much about Alabama, but we've been very vocal on our show that if you don't put Nick Saban on the appropriate pedestal, something is wrong with you and you have not been paying attention. He is the best and he's the best for a reason. And I just think when people try to uh, put him in the ditch too soon, it is a mistake. And um, yeah, man, I don't know. I just feel like this team has got something to prove. And I was pretty encouraged by how they looked offensively uh, on Saturday. Opponent independent. I just thought they looked smooth. And I think everybody knew that he had the potential to be that. I mean, the kid is, he's fireworks. And so I don't think that. I don't think that everyone knew that. Oh, man, I do. I, I, I liked what I saw of him in short spurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he played to his youth last year when he got opportunities. But mm-hmm. I think you can see the talent there, right? And um, if anybody's going to bring it out and develop it, it's going to be Nick Saban. And so I, 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 my concerns about them have, have been, I, I didn't think it got talked about enough, you lose a transformational player like Bryce and you lose another transformational player like Will Anderson – Neither one of those losses is anything to sneeze at, but I just think the way they recruit on a consistent basis, that roster is still one of the best in America. They're essentially two plays from being in the playoffs last year. So, yeah, I mean, you, you probably know where I'm going to go with this. Texas is obviously interesting. Texas is, I guess, according to everybody, quote-unquote, back, but we'll see on that. Roll Tide, six-and-a-half-point home favorite is what I had on the number. Where, where are you sitting on that, brother? I love everything you just said. And I, you can see it from the smile. Like, I am fired up about people doubting Nick Saban. Because it's just so <laughs> damn dumb. It's just so damn yeah. dumb. And, and, like, and I, I sat here all offseason. Yeah. And now, listen, like part of my job is in social media. So I, I know that I'm like, I'm the stuff I'm seeing isn't from, like, smart people all the time. But I don't know how many times I saw <laughs> Georgia fans say Kirby hasn't, you know, Jordan, Saban hasn't been anything since Kirby left. Or... You know, Tennessee fans talking about how like this is this is now like the the new order or whatever you want to say like this is like this this is the new norm right LSU like there were people scoffing at me at media days like media members I respect that were just like explain to me explain to me why like why one person said to me and I, I quote why do you think Bama beats LSU or, or wins the West outside of anything besides oh Saban always always does it and I was like do I need another reason. Like, like, what are you talking about? Right, so, right, right. Going into this year, I, I knew the Jalen Miller thing. I, like, if he played, it's going to be the most fun and entertaining season that they've had since 2014. They didn't win the national title in 2014, but it was my, it was one of my favorite years of all time just because it was like you, you didn't, win, didn't win it before. You lost one game or two games actually in the bowl game, but like on horrific fashion. I mean, you talk about two losses by four points. And, and, and here's the thing, too. I don't know if, if, if uh-huh. Saban wins another national championship because I don't know if he can compete with what Kirby's doing from a, from a coaching or roster standpoint, to, just to be honest. But the idea that this whole thing is over with and he's not going to compete for championships is asinine. And because he's still – the thing I learned most about week one, Kevin Steele comes in, his whole MO, getting to the quarterback and, and forcing turnovers. They, had, they were plus two in the turnover margin, which doesn't seem like much. They didn't have a single game last year in the regular season where they were plus two. Not a single one. Like mm-hmm. Tommy Reese on offense, Galen yep. Doro looks fantastic. They were they were seventy seven percent on third downs. That's the third highest in the last ten years. And oh by the way, Tyler Buckner, the the transfer that everyone, including me, thought wasn't going to play at all, like was awful. Why would they even bring him in? He's your second string guy. And and then the last one at least from a coaching standpoint, yeah. two penalties for nineteen yards. This is it's the fewest penalties you've had in a game in the last fifty total games. It's almost like, and hear me out here, this is going to be crazy, it's almost like Saban knew what he was doing the whole effing time. That being said, my long-winded soapbox that he knew I was going to get on, I love Sark, and I love Sark when he has dudes, and I've said it all offseason. I was on record a lot. Drew Butler put me on blast for this. I I think that Texas, I said two weeks ago, I think Texas wins that game by 10 10 plus points. 
I don't think that now, I'm going to walk that back a little bit because of what I saw from Bama in week one. But when I watch, I think about this game playing out, it has every feel of like Sark is going to take the ball first and he is so good on script. And I fully expect Texas to score uh-huh. first. And I fully expect Texas to probably get off to a pretty early start or a good start and in, in the first quarter with them up. I think they could be, it'd be like a 14-3 to three type situation. Um, and Bama has to claw their way back. I don't know if that offense is able to claw their way back because I haven't seen it before. You know, so I, I'm taking, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Texas to an outright. Woo. Yeah. I, I'm like, you could knock me over with a feather right now, brother. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> um, all right. My cup, co- my cup, co- my co-host James is taking Texas too. I'm, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud right now. I'm going to be the only person on this program tonight to take, uh, to take them to, not just win, but to cover. I'm taking roll tide. Because here's my thing, okay? I'm with you on Sark. I'm with you on Sark, okay? Mm-hmm. I love what he did. does. I thought he was probably the most underrated piece of the 2020 national title team. Yeah. Like, those game plans were outrageous. And I am excited to see what he does with weapons. I mean, look, they got A.D. Mitchell there. They got Quinn Ewers. They got all these players, right? But here's my thing, okay? We're talking about playing in prime time in Bryant-Denny against the greatest coach in the history of college football, all the ghosts, all of it, and speaking of elephants, that's about the size balls that Quinn Ewers is going to have to have to walk out of Tuscaloosa with a win for the Longhorns. I'm saying he doesn't have them yet. I'm not saying he may not get them at some point, but it ain't happening. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going roll tide on this, man. It's going to be a houndstooth kind of night. So I, I can't it. I can't believe I'm the only one. This is crazy. <laughs> All right. All right. Last game. We're gonna stay in the state of Alabama, but the game uh-huh. will be held in California. We got mm. the Auburn Tigers going to play Cal. Um, this just kind of interesting to me because Auburn got a lot going on. Hugh Freeze back there, which I like that hire. You and I haven't really talked about yeah. that much, but I thought that was a good hire there. Hugh Freeze can coach, man. I mean, you say what you want about the moral standards and all those things, but that dude can coach some ball. Nobody pretends to have more morals outside of yeah. politicians than Auburn fans. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. <laughs> the cow thing for me is interesting because Auburn's only a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which I say only. I know it's a cross-country trip and it's on the road, but, like, cow stinks out loud, man. So, like, what am I missing on this? Tell me. Jaden Ott's really good uh, at, at, at um, what do you call it, at running back. Um, it's a team that played pretty well at times last year. And, and like there, I don't know if you've ever been to Cal stadium, but it's, it's yes. so ridiculous. Have you really? Not for, a, not for a game, but like, just like a tour, not for a game. Same, same. <laughs> and, and it's like nestled into like, it's like, it's like a clubhouse. It's like it nestled into the woods on one side. And then you look across the bay and you yes. see the Golden Gate Bridge. It's pretty cool, but it's also like, I think there's gonna be a bunch of Auburn fans that probably go out there. Um, I think that I yeah like the the bet here, if you're talking about from a betting standpoint, is the over at 53 and a half. I mean, Cal was a five point favorite last week against North Texas, which was a really trendy pick to take North Texas, like even with the money line, and they just beat the brakes off of them, like 58 to 21. I want to say um, I'm taking Cal to cover. I think Auburn wins outright, but I think it's just such a sleepy game. And the thing that worries me is that like. Auburn's yeah. run defense was what was kind of surprisingly sketchy a little bit last week against a bad UMass team. Um, I think there's a lot of points yeah. in this game, but I think Cal keeps it close, and they're at home. And, you know, so that's I'm taking Cal to cover. All right, James is doing the same. James is taking the Golden Bears to cover. Again, I'm going to go against you guys. I'm going to take Auburn. I'm going to stick with it just means more. I think Auburn goes out there, plants a little bit of a flag, and has some fun on the West Coast. Remind me, because I'm thinking it's the same place. Isn't Cal the spot where you can like sit up on the hill and mm-hmm. look down into the stadium like from yeah. the woods? That's like a perch you can have for the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I'm, I'm all about it. I think – Yeah, if you didn't want to pay the, the $8 to get in there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, talk about giving away free tickets. I feel like maybe they'll give away uh, – if you come to the Auburn game, we'll give you a free ticket to the game when we play Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this one will not count against your tally, but we always have to pick it because you're on a dog show, brother. Of the, the Cardinal of Ball State is rolling into Athens as a replacement for Oklahoma. Would have been a much, much 
sexier matchup yeah. to be in Norman this weekend. Uh, the dogs are 41 and a half point favorites over the lowly Cardinals from Ball State. How you feeling about the uh, the girth on that number? What a, name, what a word, um, dude. Hammer, <laughs> hammer I knew you would love. Like, it. I don't know. Maybe you don't hammer Georgia, but like definitely bet Georgia. And the reason why is because now they got it. Like it's just. I wish that everybody, including myself, probably would have shut up a little bit after that first game or first quarter, or first half. We were say because it was like they did come out sluggish, and it wasn't the seamless transition we all thought it was. But you know that practice was held this week, and and because they now they actually have some people that have doubted them, like some minuscule amount. So in Kirby is better than anybody. That at getting people to believe in again outside of a politician outside of, like believing in these lies that they're going to go seven and five. So I love George in this game. Thoughts and prayers to Ball State. I think this is like it because they're not going to let up, and now you have something to work on. So yeah, this is going to be ugly, ugly. It's going to look just like Carson Beck, to be honest. Oh, tough! What a ricochet shot for CB. Yeah, that's tough. That's so that's tough for one five. Oh, thought, thought, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Um, James hates a big number like this, so he is taking the Cardinals. He does not like the dogs to cover this number. Oh, boy. It's, this is dicey for me, man, because this is one of those games where they're, they're going to call the dogs off. We talked about this last week. Like Kirby, I feel like, is not one, especially against smaller schools, to like rub a coach's face in it unless he has a vendetta. <laughs> Shane Beamer. Um, and so, yeah, I just – I don't – I don't know that they will have guys in and call plays enough yeah. to get to the 42. Maybe they have a defensive turnover or something. I'll take Ball State, too, just because that number's so so huge. But I do love – it's such a full-circle thing. I seem to remember our good friend asking uh, Coach Kirby Small, Paul Smart a question about going 7-5, and five, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. And now he is the person that has given the bulletin board material – after first quarter of week one, I Great. love it. <laughs> one thing I will not do is learn a lesson. That is one thing about me. Ugh. Well, uh, Chris, we always love having you on the show, brother. Please tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can support your show, and, and all those things. Yeah, man. Well, so if you're a Georgia fan, don't. Just don't. Because I don't want to. I don't think it's going to end well for either of us. So you don't need to find me. No, I'm kidding. Um, Saturday Football Uncensored is the podcast. We have new episodes every uh, Thursday. And then we have a live episode on Sunday as well. Um, so check that out. And then it's Vern Funquist on social media. I appreciate you having me, man. I, I know we talked about doing 30 minutes. I don't know what happened after. Like, I looked up and there was a 16 minutes. And then it was a 46. And I'm sure I filled all of the air. And all the oxygen, just like the Colorado TCU game. I'm so sorry. But this is always a blast, man. And and I will definitely have to come back again soon. Well, you're welcome anytime, brother. We always love having you. And we know you want to stay because you always have such a good time with us. We can't fault you for that. So, yeah, brother. We uh, have a great time in Tuscaloosa this weekend. And uh, we can't wait to have you back on again soon. Thanks, dude. Hey, George is better now. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details